Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, you know what the most important question of our time is? Wow. It's, no. It's not Coke versus Pepsi. <laughs> it's not Star Wars versus Star Trek. Okay. It's yeah. not Apple versus Android. Android. These are deep philosophical questions that we need to have answered. But the biggest but, but one. But it's none of those. No. It's no. RFID versus barcodes. Yes. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, is it really, though? You know, like... I, you know, it's been a running gag ever since I started a Blue Star. I know yes. it's been for a long time before. Of like, is is RFID getting ready to take over? Is this yes. the year of RFID? Is right. it finally here? Is Who it needs barcodes? Right. We have RFID. And I think we've kind of established, and we'll get into this, that there's no such thing as like one replacing the other. Like, right. I, I think we've there's a happy marriage that can exist between the two. I think we're going to have to be there. Exactly. Yes, so exactly. we're going to talk a little bit about that today. All right, uh, sir. We have a couple guests with us. We have Todd Muckerhide and Mark Wyatt from, mm-hmm. from CDO Technology. They're yep. going to come in and tell us a little bit about their experience in the channel with RFID and AIT and barcodes, all these solutions combined, how they work together. Sometimes when you need, might need one, you might need another, mm-hmm. you might need a marriage of both. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of our, like a, a VARS guide to selling RFID, but also maybe understanding when RFID might not be the, the yep. best solution out yep. there. And it's okay. We need experts to we tell do. us that because it's, I don't know. It's not us. It's not me. No. It's not you. As we say every episode, we're not the experts. <laughs> we're just these guys that host a podcast and bring people on to talk about things that we don't understand. Bingo. Yep. Absolutely. But it, isn't that every podcaster? Let's be right. honest. Yeah, so, there you go. All right. So that said, it is time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right. As I mentioned, we have two fantastic guests with us today to talk about all things yes, sir. RFID, barcodes. Uh, can't we all just get along? You know, it's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what I thought about with this. Coming it, out of the pandemic. It all, well, it yeah. feels like everybody's always like, it's got to be one or the other. Like, does it, though? It no, doesn't have to doesn't be. I think these be. guys are going to help us out with this. That's so, right. yeah. first of all, Todd Muckerhide is the uh, technical solutions sales consultant for CDO Technologies. Todd, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your role at CDO, and maybe your experience with RFID in the channel. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for having us today. Um, so Todd Muckerhide, CDO Technologies, we're basically a systems integrator and one of the areas of expertise that we kind of dabble in is this automatic identification technologies, AIT. Mm-hmm. And it's all you know part of the barcode RFID, just like what you're saying. And I get a chance to work with organizations and people who are having issues just around, you know, mainly asset tracking and key things of where's my stuff. And the big question becomes, like what you said, should I do RFID? Should I do barcode? When should I switch to one or the other? And what's going to be best? And it really boils down to just application and, and kind of educating uh, our clients, you know, and then getting to know them and their process. And as a technical sales consultant, that's what I do on a daily, weekly basis. And I'm just here really to help anybody who, who wants to learn a little bit more about it. And again, it's all about education first, and then let's plug and play and figure out which technology works the best. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Uh, our other guest is Mark Wyatt. He is the founder and principal consultant for the Quantive Group. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for being on with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your role, and maybe kind of how you're connected with CDO and, and their work in the AIT space. Yeah, sure. Um, I started Quantive Group um, 
recently. And what my role is, is to basically help Todd to generate demand, generate leads, new appointments, uh, help him get connected with the right folks. But in addition to that, um, my background is in development and ERP implementation and data integration and done a ton of uh, that type of work uh, locally and, and even nationally. So I'm also, uh, you know, helping with the solutioning of it and any kind of technical support in the sales process that Todd might need and in laying out um, some of the technology and the processes involved in RFID. That's awesome. Man, imagine having a partner like that with you. Right. You're you're going out there, you're trying to you're trying to do a little hustling and find some mm -hmm. some contacts, find some customers, and you got someone like Mark who can go out and do some of that work for you and bring it to you. And understands the technical yeah, side. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, can that's we call fantastic. him a unicorn? Is he a unicorn? It's like, you know, <laughs> so. that's a rare set of capabilities <laughs> that you're bringing to the table. I've never been called that before. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, we might get start getting some emails from folks like, right. hey, how do I can I work with Mark? Can I get right. in touch with him? Like, you know, we yeah. you have to fight through CDO and, that's and right. Todd there that's to right. get to him first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys both so much for being on here. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the top, you know, this this whole kind of ongoing almost it's almost become a gag at this mm -hmm. point of RFID versus barcodes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we keep saying, our, you know, at some point RFID is supposed to replace barcodes. Right. And honestly, I think before we ever got to that point, we'd probably find some other technology that replaces both of them. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, I mean, it, it makes kind of makes sense because. There's Todd, as you mentioned, there's there's applications where it makes sense to use RFID, and there's applications where it makes more sense to use barcodes instead. Mm -hmm. And 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 I know like there's always been this concern about hey, is there is there a cost you know problem here? Mm -hmm. And I know that's mm -hmm. not as big of a factor as it used to be. You know the mm -hmm. cost for RFID is gone getting better every years. day. Exactly. Kind of thing, yeah. So Todd, I'll let you kind of kick things off here and just tell us you know why are barcodes still necessary? And, and maybe give us some examples, some specific examples where one application is clearly superior to another one. Sure, sure. So I will pick up on what you just said, cost. Cost still is a factor. And the cost effectiveness of barcodes versus RFID is something that has to be considered. And really the key for a barcode is that they're used with more tracking low cost assets or items. So, so even though RFID tag, to your point, is significantly dropped in costs uh, because the volume is now more and bigger after 20 plus years of, of having RFID out there, it still, in some senses, can't compete at the very, very low end where barcode is. So barcode still wins out when you're trying to tag and track uh, very low cost items. So, for example, just as everybody's familiar with it, the grocery store, right? So grocery merchandise, cereal boxes, milk cartons, all that sort of thing is still barcode because it's cheap. It's easy to print. You're doing high volume, and, and then you you scan it on one of the you know grocery scanners. Um, the the other example would be maybe in a manufacturing environment where you've got very low cost, inexpensive parts that you're trying to track, and maybe you've got hundreds of thousands of them. Okay, so it's just easier to track and a lower expense to do that. Otherwise, you'll get underwater pretty quick. If you're trying to look at your operational budget, say I want to put an RFID tag on everything, okay, mm -hmm. become can become expensive, you know, when you're looking at comparison with barcode. So that's that's one example. Um, the other interesting area is is how the technologies work. So in a barcode, it's it's more precision, okay. So a barcode label requires line of sight, and it only scans one single item at a time. So again, back uh, going to the grocery store example, when you're in front of the grocery scanner, you put your Cheerio box in front of it, 
it sees that laser light come out and scans that barcode, and you know you only gotten that box, right? You didn't scan a box that was five feet away from you or something like that. So you're just getting a single scan of a single item. Whereas RFID technology, it requires, or I'm sorry, it does not require line of sight. It just kind of goes out in the RFID wave goes out in a V type shape or a cone shape. Okay, and so it can scan multiple items at the same time. And it can scan have distances of five feet, ten feet, sometimes twenty-five feet, depending. Um, and so if you use this the grocery store analogy again, let's say you had an RFID uh, grocery store scanner and you had RFID tags on your cereal boxes and milk cartons. Well, what could happen is that you could scan not only the items in your cart, but also carts that are four or five feet away from you across the aisle or, or behind you or in front of you. And so that wouldn't be good. You want to be charged for your neighbor's groceries, right? <laughs> so the idea of barcode versus RFID is more in the lines of, do you need to, the precision of barcode where you're singly scanning just one item? Or do you want an application that needs multiple items scanned all at once? Okay, maybe at a distance, large, you know, large distances. Mm -hmm. So that's where they kind of differ in what they're trying to accomplish as a technology. And and what I like about that, Todd, you know, some other examples that we've seen are like, for example, supply closets, you know, in in kind of that mm -hmm. cost benefit starting to get to the point where, you know, maybe some supply cl closets we've seen in like healthcare and or firehouses, mm -hmm. you know, where you have assets or a supply closet that, mm -hmm. you, you know, you need to make sure that everything's in there, the inventory levels. Uh, it's it's becoming more economical, and to your point, you can wand you know an RFID reader in a supply closet right. and, and very quickly gather what inventory is there, uh, making that whole process much more efficient. But to his point, it's not a there isn't another supply closet you know down or just five feet away, so you're scan, right, you right. Know, accidentally scanning two supply closets at right. the same time. But anyway. Yeah, we're starting to see some of those solutions, you know, as it relates to some of those items. But, but Todd, I guess, you know, the cost is, yeah, the cost is a factor, but the cost of RFID tagging and stuff like that is coming down. So it makes it, makes it a little it bit is. more, uh, you know, approachable to, to consider a supply closet where maybe, you know, it's not a box of cereal at a dollar, but some supply closets, you know, they can be multi-dollar items that are in there, but it still makes sense right. to tag them. One thing we like to talk to folks about is what are your critical assets? Okay, what mm -hmm. are your critical assets that you want to track? And your more, you know, typically again, your more expensive assets. Is it that important to track a uh, $2 item that, that you know, if, if it got lost, you can misplace it pretty quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it more difficult to, and do you need to tag that $200 item that's critical to your operation? And if you do misplace it for an hour, boy, you've shut down a production line. Mm -hmm. You know, or, or, or you can't have the like a lot of times people do it for vehicles. If the vehicle has to go out and make a service call and you can't find your particular calibrated wrench or something. Right. You know, that's the items that you want to to really tag because it's critical and you want to know where those items are. Right. And and you'd want to know in a, in a certain process, mm -hmm. you know, where is that item at at any given point in time and location? So um, outside of like a grocery store, there's there's so many different scenarios that will happen within manufacturing or industry where you've got these items and you need to know, you know, how fast are they moving through a process? So that's why a lot of times we get into situations with the technology part of it where 
you know, we're wanting to look at what is the process and, and how can we improve it? How can RFID technology improve an existing workflow or process of items? Yeah. Let me pick up on a, just a point that uh, John, you made earlier. It can be a marriage, right? So in many uh, environments, it's very complex. So you can have both a barcode technology being utilized to track an asset and also an RFID technology being utilized. So there, there can be a happy marriage of the two. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, I, I like that we're talking about this from the critical asset standpoint, too, because I think that's a great talking mm -hmm. point to help a customer understand if you're going out to a customer and trying to help them understand which they need and why and, and why maybe you're trying to pitch them on RFID. And you mentioned two, I think, very specific and good examples of medical supplies and firehouses, mm -hmm. two places where supplies that are very critical if you're if you're missing a critical piece of medical equipment yeah, right how important could that be that could be a life or death matter same with a firehouse if you're missing a critical piece of equipment that you a, need. a hose connector that was left at the last exactly, scene and you right. don't have it there that yeah. kind of stuff is super critical where the ability to make to know that you are very accurately tracking something not just depending on did my barcode happen to get scanned did i happen mm -hmm. to catch it at the right angle mm -hmm. was it hidden behind something and i missed it maybe mm -hmm. but being able to know like hey i did that quick little swipe scan yep. over RFID. I right. caught everything I needed to catch. I know exactly what critical supplies I have, what's missing, what I need to get reordered right now, or I need to go locate immediately as quick as possible. So I, I like that critical aspect of it. Yeah. And that mm. also can tie in with compliancy for both of those organizations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they have uh, different compliancy as far as time logs or where something was at a certain point in time. And, 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 and so it helps them um, with that whole part of it, of being compliant and not having to do that process manually. Very good point. Well, Todd, you mentioned briefly earlier this idea of like the production line. So Mark, I kind of want to turn to you a little bit on this one, the uh, the idea of like the process automation and, and you kind of reference process a, a little bit there too and, and, mm -hmm. and how RFID can help out with that. So explain a little bit how barcodes and RFID can essentially replace like manual keystroke entries and some of the manual processes that might slow things down on a production line that we can speed up a little bit by using RFID. Yeah, yeah, sure. And many times, you know, we go into organizations and they're using spreadsheets, they're using Excel and sure. they're keeping track of things manually, keying things in manually. You know, that's not unusual. Um, so a lot of times it's a matter of, of helping them to, to see that this doesn't have to be, you know, some big pie in the sky, type of solution, it can just simply replace what you're doing with that spreadsheet. And those entries that you're making to track inventory or track items or track, you know, assets that you have, um, those can be, you know, you could hook a, a scanner into USB port and um, that stuff can just be entered just as if someone was keying it in uh, on a computer, but it's basically reading RFID items in the area and putting them in the spreadsheet for you. So many times what we try to do is come in and solve a small problem. And, and then after doing that, then we, then we can kind of start to talk about some of their processes and how this actually ties in to um, some of their critical processes that are, are somewhat manual. Many times it's not a matter of automation versus manual. It's, it's a combination of both. And there's kind of this sweet spot of, you know, the more technology you put in it, the more costly it is. So you want to find out how much technology can we spend to make it somewhat automated so that we're getting the ROI and we may still have some manual involved.
Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And and I'm going to throw a headline out here real quick because I think it's it's appropriate for what we're talking or at least the angle that we're talking about here. Um, I was reading it was I was I think it was just released today from Thomas Industry. Uh, but here's the headline. 83% of North American manufacturers are likely to reshore their supply chains in 2021. Wow. That's up dramatically from what the, the same polling yeah. that they did last year. So to mm-hmm. me, that's kind of where Mark is going. You know, when you think about the processes, so if you have all these manufacturing that is the desires to bring it back on shore and we can get, we you know, the, the commentary there is, is pretty well known. I mean, it, this pandemic really exposed some weaknesses and right. some supply chains that are ongoing right mm-hmm. now, you know, even today. So if the desire is for manufacturers to reshore, well, there's opportunities there. And and w- the other thing that we learned is that knowing where parts and pieces are in a process is pretty daggone important. Right. <laughs> you know, if you don't know <laughs> where you whatever the next piece to make the, the, what the, th- the whole thing whole is right, in right. the process, well, that's an issue. So RFID, I think there's an opportunity here in the process uh, of manufacturing that is really unique. And so as as people, as manufacturers look to reshore, maybe they'll they'll think re-technology too mm-hmm. and, and, and implement, implementing some new technology as it re- relates to RFID. So Mark, I'm sure you're talking to folks, right, uh, on, on a daily basis, or Todd, you know, about that, um, right. and, and how they how they can work this kind of automation in through RFID, through the process, right? Exactly. And what's the one big other thing in manufacturing that's a problem now is finding good people to work, right? Mm-hmm. So again, you're picking up this, you know, how do we get done the same amount of work that we still have to do with less people, and, and so technology becomes a player. In, in helping solve that issue. Uh, but then to your point, you got to find the right technology. And I think that's where Mark was talking about too, is we've got to learn a little bit more about your process when we come in to talk with you so we can understand it and we can kind of plug the right technology into your solution or into your process so we give you the right solution. And in, uh, I like what Mark was saying too, you know, it's all about the ROI. You know, yeah. how do you get a return on investment on this, on this solution? And that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier we got to track your critical assets or we got to look at your critical assets and what do we really need to do? What's keeping me up at night? What's my primary issue here? It's a problem. What's my critical assets that I got to really track that are, are shutting down or delaying my production line. Uh, for example, if I've got the wrong raw material in mm-hmm. front of that production line and then I produce something now I've got 20,000 widgets of waste. Boy, couldn't that have been solved ahead of time if we would have scanned it Either they had a barcode on it or an RFID tag and scanned it and validated it. Hey, we've got the right raw or we've got the right raw material in front of the right production line. Now let's go ahead. But we made a mistake. So uh, there's many different aspects of this that that can be, um, I guess, satisfied by using the right technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, you know, I, I think we've we've kind of already sort of answered this question in many different ways already, but maybe kind of, you know, mm-hmm. streamline the answer here of how does, you know, and Todd, I'll direct this with you. How does AIT help businesses kind of do more with less? Sure, sure. Um, well, actually, one, one of the biggest issues that we talk about with folks uh, is, is where's my stuff? Just simply, where is it? So I've got a facility that's 100,000 square feet, and I, I produced, you know, 500 of these widgets yesterday. But now I can't find them. There's some corner in the warehouse because the shelving space was was limited. And I had to go put them somewhere. Johnny and the forklift went and put them somewhere. So now I can't find them. So typically what happens is that, okay, it's got to ship out. We, we got a half hour to ship it out. What do you do? You make 500 more, right? Because you can't find them. So you go ahead and do that. 
now you've duplicated, you got redundant material or, or, or finished goods, and now you just caused a bunch of waste. So one area is, is by having an asset tracking system, whether or not you use barcode or RFID, you can quickly locate those items because we're tracking. As DeMarc said, when we scan it, we inventory, we see where it's at, it gives it its location, it timestamps it. When did you last see it? Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it gives a person a starting point to go back and say, okay, last time I saw it was on shelf A, you know, I had 50 of them. So then you'll know. So that's one key component of just better visibility to what you have and where is it. Yeah, yeah. And, and another big part of it, of the do less with more type thing, is the just-in-time inventory. And, mm-hmm. you know, having a lot of times uh, companies have to have this buffer of stuff because they simply don't know where other things are. So maybe they have four or five of the same thing because they simply can't always find it. Right. Um, or, you know, they, they build this. So with RFID technology or the asset tracking, um, you really can uh, whittle away a lot of that buffer that you generally need because of not having those technologies. So you, you really can move more towards like a just-in-time inventory or just-in-time assets. Yeah, mm-hmm. and let's do a, a a quick little sidebar here because I'm interested, and I'd be interested in your take uh, as it relates to this. So, you know, I, I've been reading about RFID, and we all know that RFID and maybe the world of sensors sometimes gets blurred. You know, the ability for an RFID tag and or whatnot to to have what I would call sensor data on it. Maybe it's temperature or, you know, those types of things. Uh, And certainly as, you know, in production of of items, I mean, of course we saw it with the COVID, uh, um, you know, with the, um, what am I thinking of here? The, uh, the, the, we all got in our vaccine. Thank you. The vaccine. Holy (laughs) moly. That was a stretch for that. Only the most popular word of the year right now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Brain, brain cramp on that one. But anyway, I mean, we saw that in in, in the need to have sensors on that, the whole process, you know, the the temperature. Exactly. exactly. You knew where it was going. So guys, talk to us a little bit. I mean, do you see RFID's world kind of expanding from just a, a tag that has some serialized information on it to a sensor type of technology that maybe, Mark, is going to be critical for that just-in-time inventory, right? In order for it to be JIT, it needs to be at a certain temperature. It needs to be something like that. So are you guys starting to see that in your world, you know, kind of this blurring of RFID and sensors out there? Yes, uh, and and they exist, right? So there's different uh, – so the breadth of RFID tags and what it can do is – is getting is broad and getting broader okay mm-hmm. so from standpoint like you said we deal a lot more with the more of the passive rfid tags that have a little bit of information i mean we're talking about the basics where the yep. tag itself is just like a license plate it just has a little microchip on it says my chip number is one two three and i'm identified as as john martin okay in my database mm-hmm. but there are tags out there that can hold a bunch of different information and pieces and stuff like that and sensors and tags and get relayed that information to a database so you can you can travel the whole breadth um uh, you're right temperature sensitive uh tags that, that go on vaccines or pharmaceuticals definitely there's a huge industry for it we're not a big player in that area but uh, i know it's a growing part uh, it's also a growing part of the, the whole food uh industry as well yeah, right because you don't want mm-hmm. spoilage you know and all that stuff going on so it's it certainly um and the key factor is when you start talking or start looking at your issue what is it and in learning again what's the primary issue of my process that i'm trying to solve for so if i do need a temperature sensitive tag it's gonna be a little more expensive you know as it relates to the rfid or whatever but is it really necessary 
you know, or is there a better way to to solve that problem? But if it comes down to that, sure, there's tags out there. And as you guys know, there's thousands of tags, <laughs> shapes, right. sizes, right. and passive versus active, you know, all sorts of different types. Well, and sometimes it could be a, an orchestrated solution um, mm -hmm. because many times RFID basically can give you information of where where is that asset or where was that asset. So um, when that when that item, whatever it is, has an RFID tag and it moves through a certain area and gets read, there's a couple of pieces of date, critical data, you know, the, the license plate number, so to speak, or the, you know, the unique identifier of that item. And then also a date timestamp of when it passed through a certain area. So if you have temper, temper, temperature sensors and humidity temp sensors in certain areas, you can know by triangulating, so to speak, that data, what uh, the temperature and humidity of that item, at least the, the, the condition it was in at a certain point in time. So a lot of times we see it's a matter of knowing what the need is and maybe orchestrating a couple of different technologies and then bringing the data together in a unified dashboard. That's it. And I think that, you know, the orchestration of a technology solution mm -hmm. is, is at the end of the road where it's going to be. Yep. You know, you can lump on some of these right. additional technologies, but it's usually some some mix, right, right, of, right. of those technologies. But mm -hmm. I'm I personally am just fascinated. I mean, of course, we've had the acronym IOT out there for forever, you know, and right, seems like right. now and, and just the desire. We've talked about other examples like the cannabis industry where yep. you are literally tracking the plant from seed all right. the way through Every its process. Step, if you just click a leaf off you've got to keep track of that exactly yeah. if it moves you know 10 feet from this yep. room to the next room it's got an rfid tag on yep. it so it, it knows exactly where it is yeah. you know exactly where it is in the process and you know i, I just think stuff like that is just going to continue it, yep. it, 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 that's not going to go away well know? it goes back to what mark mentioned earlier about compliance that right. you know, if, it, if if the industry you're in is heavy on compliance heavy on regulation mm -hmm. then there's probably a much stronger need mm -hmm. to have that kind of like very accurate specific tracking down to date and time stamps down to knowing whether something right. left this room and went to that room yep. because that can be very critical to passing you know major audits that, that mm -hmm. determine you know whether you are right. in regulatory compliance you know with you know with some federal guidelines or state guidelines or something mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. big important stuff there yeah well let's let's talk about some applications and you know we've been talking a lot about asset tracking obviously but it's it's what most people think of when they think about RFID in particular so Todd are there are there any other applications that are benefiting from RFID right now that that maybe we're not thinking of that are some of our partners might want to be investigating or thinking about too? Sure, sure. And kind of, as I mentioned before, just the raw material val validation, right? You want to make sure you're using the right material at the right production line so that you don't have downtime or you don't have any delays and that you don't, you know, create waste when you didn't need to. Um, the other one is kind of along the same lines, shipping validation, right? You've finished, you've got all your finished goods, you've got them queued up in the, in the shipping dock, you want to make sure that you uh, send the right product to the right customer. You know, huge part of customer satisfaction, you know, getting it right the first time. And, and also obviously reduces shipping costs because you're not shipping things twice or three times. Um, so that's two right there kind of go hand in hand. Um, the other big one is an area where it's a real common complaint where, uh, and talking about other technologies, your ERP system. The common complaint is, why is that consistently wrong? I, I look at my ERP system, I see five widgets on shelf A, but when I go out there, there's only three widgets, right? Or there, there is five widgets, but they were way down on shelf Z. You know, how did that happen? 
And a lot of times what happens with ERP systems is back to Mark's point, some people are just doing Excel spreadsheets and then hand jamming all that information and data into the ERP system. And they only do that once every day, maybe once every two days. And so it's not timely information at all. So it almost becomes meaningless. Because as you guys know, in different environments, boy, things move quickly. And especially in a manufacturing process where you're constantly shifting with your raw materials, your finished goods, your assemblies, whatever you're doing, it's, 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 it's always in motion. And so to have a technology that can keep pace with that is important so that you're getting timely data and that you're getting accurate data. You're not getting a guy who's who's working very hard and fast, and he types in instead of 13, he types in the number 31, right? Now you think you've got 31 items when you only have 13. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a big mistake. And, and so it's cutting down on some of those human error type of things, and it's making then your ERP system, you know, smart, more smart, more accurate, right? And, and more reliable, basically, was it boils down to, so that you can order the right stuff. You can replenish your inventory on a timely basis. So I think that's 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 a real key one that we see is a common problem. And one final, other one, not a lot of people think about is, but uh, automatic gates. We've got a client who uh, uh, has a big yard facility, is off kind of a main road, and you know he used to use the old badge system where the driver would have to pull up and show his badge or scan his badge, and the, the gate would open. Well, their trucks were backing up, causing issues. And so they went to an RFID where they put an RFID tag on a windshield of the of the truck. Uh, there's an RFID scanner out front 20, 30, 40 feet ahead of, of where the gate is. It sees that truck coming by, boom, sees it, says, yep, he's acceptable. Gate opens, he just kind of keeps rolling right through. So that's kind of a fun one, easy one that's, uh, you know, very impactful, though, for, yep. for the whole process. Yep. Yeah. Reminds me of the, the uh, local Mike's car wash. <laughs> I, I had one of those tickets for a while where you got the yeah. unlimited washes and it was right. stuck in my window. I just drive through a certain spot. The little sensor picks it up, opens the gate. I go right, right on in, get my car wash. Yep. Yep. I don't have to do anything to interact with anybody. Yeah. Something yeah, simple it. like that. Yeah. Well, Mark, I wanted you to kind of add on here because you're, you mentioned you're kind of an ERP expert. So, you know, is there anything else you want to add to how, how AIT, RFID and barcodes both are, are helping enterprises out with their ERP? Oh, sure, sure. I wouldn't say expert, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> more than us, I promise you that. I, I, I mean, I know them well. I, I can integrate with them and that type of thing. But um, yeah, I, maybe I am after 20 years. But anyways, um, yeah, the thing that uh, I want to emphasize is that the integration of this data into the ERP does not have to, I mean, there's, there's a whole gamut, um, a whole spectrum you know, from like totally automated to somewhat automated. And, um, you know, as we're getting data from the RFID system, as it's scanning these items and going through the readers, I mean, what, we, what we've done with our software is we can output a simple spreadsheet of that data. So if a person wants just that and put it on an FTP and, and have it picked up and put into the ERP some other way or even manually imported, that would be like the lower end of the spectrum. Very easy solution, not real heavy in technology. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, you know, we can take that data and build ETL, ESB technology, and it can automatically populate the tables in the uh, ERP system. And, um, you know, just as if a person was typing that in themselves, uh, depending on, you know, what that data is that's coming from the readers. So, uh, you know, we, we really try to look at what the need is and um, how heavy or light the technology needs to be. And especially if someone's just getting started in it, 
you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, create, um, you know, technology that is so cumbersome and is going to take so long that they really don't even see a benefit for a long time until they get all this integration done. So we, we really are, are able to be very uh, nimble, you know, when it comes to that piece of it. I think there's a very good point there that we've, I think we've talked about a few times before, which is this idea of don't sell somebody something just because you can, mm-hmm. because you want to, mm-hmm. and because it's cool mm-hmm. or something, right. but because there's an actual <laughs> need for it, you know, because you- It you, always better that way. Exactly. Because yeah. you, to, to Mark's point, you, you give somebody something that's maybe just more or too much more than they actually honestly need mm-hmm. to in their operation and in their enterprise at that time, it just mm-hmm. becomes, it, it does, it becomes more burdensome than anything. And eventually they either- just drift away from it, or they they get a bad taste in their mouth, and, yeah. and they might have a bad taste of working with you. Like, well, these guys sold me this thing that I just don't really even need, and it's just more than we were trying to accomplish. And yeah. now I'm now I'm just annoyed by it. Right. <laughs> but I also like the incrementalism approach to right. it. You know, one of the areas that I was going to throw on the table that you know RFID I think is starting to see some applications. If we go back to manufacturing, would be like in the testing environment, for example. So if you're if you're a, a VAR that's working, you know, you have a manufacturer and they're they're wanting to test a certain amount of their products as they're coming off the line. Well, RFID gives you that advantage of a unique identifier on a particular item mm-hmm. or a particular group of items. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can scan that, get that information. And to Mark's point, maybe it's just a simple process of, of getting that into your ERP. So now you know, oh, this batch has, you know, was tested in this time and, 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 and it can help with your quality control, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that you're going to start seeing some incremental uses of RFID. And as we kind of kicked off the whole show here talking about kind of the blend you know it's not barcode versus rfid but it's using complementary technologies as per the solution and i and i think that you know as resellers become more able to embrace some of the what rfid brings to the table and sensing brings to the table they can offer some of those types of solutions yeah yeah the one more thing I'll throw in also, because I, ha- I have to do it from my time as a BDM working yes. with RFID as yes. who, you know, were a different approach to RFID that, that we don't talk about as much, which is credentialing, Absolutely. identity management, authentication. Access control. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and most people think of it as, all right, I've got a badge that lets me scan into a door to open a door to get into my building or to identify that I've shown up somewhere. Mm-hmm. But there's so many more applications you can use for it. You know, it can be used for something as simple as logging in and out of a system. You see that a lot in healthcare these mm-hmm. days. Where you know, like I got something a, on the printer or something like that. And, exactly, and, and, release yeah. print release. Um, but it even can get as complex as like in a manufacturing or an industrial environment to help kick off processes or to activate ah. logic controls or to identify whether you are someone who is qualified to run a certain piece of machinery or right. you know or turn on a forklift. Yep. So there's a there's a lot of different applications with the access control and like authentication identification piece there of RFID that that it's I don't true. think people think about as much. So it's it's another great question to throw out to your folks is hey, you know, I, I we're doing all this cool stuff for you from the asset tracking side of things, but do you need anything to make sure that the right person is accessing the right thing or starting the right operation? Because believe it or not, the time it takes to like keystroke in a username and password mm-hmm. over the course of a year <laughs> is actually adds up. Like it's it, well, especially if it's something you got to repeat it, exactly. and, and access to right. a, a specific area. Exactly. The, the advantages mm-hmm. from a security uh, standpoint. They're there. Exactly. So yeah. that's my, my two cents that I'll throw in there. And and the folks at RFID is, if they're listening, would be happy to hear that I, <laughs> I shouted them out on that one. Yeah, on I mean, that, that, that applies, too, to stuff. I mean, is this the right, right. stuff in the right place? Yep. Right. Is it authenticated? Yeah. And we had a manufacturer that, you know, we had to actually do that with with certain chemicals. Were these the right chemicals that need to go into this vat, this process? 
So RFID can actually be that logic gate to say yes or no as far as authenticating things as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point, yeah. Mark. I was I was going to bring that up as well. Again, if we, if we have all this manufacturing that's going to reshore, you know, knowing the origins of where the materials that are coming in, do they suit what you're trying to do? You say it was a chemical processor that you were working with, Mark, that, yeah, mm -hmm. and they yeah. kind of, they needed to know the inputs and, and validate that. That's going to be critical. Well, that's the kind of stuff where you make, again, you make a one tiny little mistake and oh. you could be messing up. I, again, yeah. I think of healthcare. <laughs> we always preach about in healthcare, you know, like the, the, the scan a, a, a you know a, a a vial before giving someone a shot or mm -hmm. for before giving some medication or something if you're not doing that kind of thing mm -hmm. and you're just just hoping that you got the right thing and matched up to the right person that doesn't fly no it doesn't it could you know <laughs> at worst it leads to somebody dying at, at you know at, at best maybe they get sick or you just do something wrong you know and you get some liabilities you know going on there why why mess with that if you don't have to if, if you can perfect the process to not yeah. have that kind yeah. of error possibly pop up so. and that's what makes me excited about RFID and into the future. I mean, I, th I just think it has some unique properties that it brings to the table that, that really help enable those kinds of things, yeah. you know, as manufacturing grows and comes back or whatnot, just the whole process, is, it demands that type of yeah. accuracy and visibility exactly. that we've talked about. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up this main conversation, are there any other, you know, anything else that we should be discussing around AIT and RFID that we maybe don't normally think about or questions we don't typically ask? Yeah, you know, I'd just like to pick up uh, back on the compliance factor that I think that Mark touched on earlier, because it's a simple one. I mean, and you can think of it in a simple way as um, uh, we, we work with some of our clients about uh, just accounting audits. You know, mm -hmm. I got to know that my furniture is in my building, or maybe I'm an organization that has multiple branches or, or multiple clinics and healthcare clinics and stuff. You know, I just want to take a quick inventory of all the offices and office furniture and old stuff, new stuff. That sort of thing. I even had a customer ask they had some um, <laughs> some some special art on the wall that was expensive art, right? And they want to account for it and want to know how to track it. And so there could be simple things, assets or assets, right? And, and so that's a critical asset for them. Um, so it's just simply you know complying to your your accounting audits, or if it's based on regulations, yeah, you, you can certainly because everything's time stamped again. Going back to our earlier point. So you can grab that data and put it into your ERP or your spreadsheet, whatever you want to do, and show that as a compliance factor that you've you've met. So that's an area that we see that people kind of tend to forget about a little bit. Mm -hmm. I yeah. like it. That's a good one. Mark, anything else you have to add? Um, yeah, I think uh, along with what Todd said, I think the compliance is a big one. We've um, we also, I, I think, just real quick, really interesting. We've had law law offices, believe it or not, where we've put RFID on their um, case files because they still use those manually and move them around the office and they had to figure out where were these case files. So uh, sometimes it, it we can find surprising applications where you just really didn't even think that uh, you know you could you could uh, have an RFID implementation. Nice. There's an episode of Law and Order I want to see. Like, hey, we were going to help you get off from this murder, but we lost the case file that would have set the precedent that would have gotten this, gotten you out of this. Sorry, sorry, Chin Chong. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that does happen, believe it or not. They misplace files. I mean, if you think about I, a law office with, with uh, you know, four, four, four or five floors of attorneys, right? Yep. It's, it's yep. going to get, you know, one person comes by and takes it and says, I'm going to work on it for two hours, hands it off to the next person for two hours, and 
all of a sudden it's traveling through that that office space and nobody knows where it's at. Yeah, yeah right. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, good <laughs> good uses there. All right. Well, this is a good conversation. Yep. Uh, before we get to our recurring segments, I want to, as always, thank our sponsors here on the Tech Connect podcast, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. We could not do this show without you, so we appreciate your support. Uh, hey, as always, too, if you uh, if you like the show, leave us a five-star rating review on yep. Apple Podcasts. Uh, like and subscribe. Follow us if you're on watching us on YouTube. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe to Blue Star's YouTube channel. We do all kinds of fun, cool stuff there. Absolutely. Shows, trivia, just cool little video stuff we're doing. We're always streaming all the time. Fun stuff. There you go. Exactly. And of course, if you if you want to reach out to us, if you have any questions, thoughts, or other topics that you'd like us to explore on the show, you can find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, well, let's wrap up with our recurring segments. The first is our value to the VAR. This is where we kind of like to take our conversation, wrap it up, put a little bow on it, yep. give a little takeaway for our, our, our fellow VAR listeners here. So, you know, I kind of want to ask you guys, you know, with without giving away any, obviously, the secret sauce of what you do, do you have any kind of tips, advice, best practices for other VARs that are working in the channel? Uh, you know, I, I always think of this idea of, hey, if what whatever we do and whatever we share can kind of help us all elevate and get better at what mm-hmm. we do to make, you know, our ecosystem richer for everybody that's mm-hmm. in it. So uh, do you guys have any tips? Todd, I'll let you start off this one. Sure. Uh, I guess just because I'm in the sales side of things, you know, the one thing I've learned through my career is just to listen, right? It's important to listen and try to get to understand what the pain points are, what is the issue of the day for that person, um, and what they're complaining about. So if I'm a VAR, I'm listening to some complaints and they say, you know, I just have trouble finding my stuff, you know, or, or my ERP system is continuously wrong. Why is that happening? Then maybe that's an area from what our conversation was today about talking about asset tracking to them, you know, and getting them to kind of go down that route. Um, but so for me, it's, it's all about listening to complaints, listening to, to what's, uh, you know, tough and what's going on in, in your customer's business. Awesome. Mark, what about you? What kind of advice and tips do you have? Um, you know, I, I think that one of the, one of the approaches I have in solution selling and in any kind of new technology or something that, you know, may not be as familiar is to, um, find, find a small problem to solve, to do a proof of concept. Um, you know, find, find an area that you can, you know, build a relationship or build some goodwill in that new technology and, and build on that from there. And I, I found that that works really well. And, um, that's an approach that, you know, CDO has, which I think has been really helpful is just go in, solve a small problem. Um, you know, maybe something that is a little bit more urgent and, um, you know, keep the ball rolling from there uh, with that client and, and try and build on that success. That's good stuff. That and, and, and I'm going to parlay on that a little bit here because, you know, we have resellers that are listening to this that some are in the AIT, mm-hmm. understand RFID, but some aren't, you know, like POS guys mm-hmm. and gals out there, digital signage folks, networking folks. The fact of the matter is I think that there's some opportunity here to be had in RFID. And I would advocate that, you know, what is the best practice? Get to know this technology. Get to know a little bit about it. And as we preached on here many, many times, work out your partnerships. CDO is a great partner. If you're a POS reseller and you've got whatever, some some high-end uh, retailer that you're working for and they're, they're trying to get more into RFID, you can lean on people like that and partner up with great folks like that so that you can absolutely listen to what their needs are. 
develop a proof of concept around something. And now, you know, you're opening up a whole new world of what you can sell and the types of technologies that you can bring to the table. So uh, that's where I would be on, on something like to this. I, again, I'm excited about the technology and where it's going to go in the future. Got to know it. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and I mean, you know, I think the bottom line here too is I, I like what Todd said about just just listening and yeah. asking questions and understanding what's what's going on and and not being afraid to say, hey, you know, I I have an idea for you. It may not be the right solution, but let's talk this through. Let's mm-hmm. figure out what works for you. I've I've sure I'd love to sell you this fancy, awesome new RFID system I've got, but maybe what you're trying to do, barcodes is, is simple enough. And, that, and, and and that's okay. It's okay to do that because I think you you lend some credibility to yourself, to your relationship with somebody when you tell them like, look, I'm not going to sell you the most expensive thing I can right? just because I want to. I'm going to I'm gonna give you what you need for your operation. That's not, yeah, that's solution selling. Solution selling isn't saying, hey, yeah, this. Exactly, right. It's not, <laughs> it's not buy this because I've got it. It's, <laughs> it's what do you need? What's going to work for you? All right, I, this is what's going to work for you. So that's what I'm going to sell you instead. Yeah, right, exactly. And again, I think there's some opportunity here that, that, that any kind of reseller and any kind of technology reseller needs to understand what RFID is all about, what it can bring to the table right. because you're going to run into it. Yeah. I don't care if you're a small retailer or whatever, or if you're just hanging digital signage. I mean, people in a warehouse or if you're doing that, they're, they're going to want to know productivity and what's going on and right. how can I track these items and having knowledge about that can only help. Well, you. to your point also, you mentioned like a POS vendor, for instance, who maybe is focused on that. Well, how many times have we talked about Omnichannel? Right. And talked about how oh, e-commerce yeah. is changing the game. And if you're in the POS world, you need to be prepared to have those conversations about, about what's happening behind the scenes, what's happening in the back room. Well, that stuff yep. is, involves inventory. That stuff might involve asset tracking or Absolutely. Some sort. So whether you like it or not, you, what you are doing is probably connected to something that is in the AIT realm as well. And if you don't know it, call Todd. Exactly. <laughs> That's where he is. <laughs> Todd can help you out, <laughs> and Todd will get Mark in. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mark actually, Mark might have brought them the lead to begin with. So, right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, <laughs> let's wrap up with our favorite segment: What's tech connecting with you? This is where we talk about some kind of technology, something in the world of science and tech and innovation that has caught our eye, that has got us excited and interested right now. Mark, I'll let you start. What's tech connecting with you right now? I don't know. I've, I've always been intrigued at uh, management of information and using uh, Zoomable. They're called Zoomable user interfaces, hmm. along with uh, 3D technology to uh, store information and create, you know, knowledge stores and and figure out ways to access data in a more efficient way than than the typical 2D uh, windowing type of environment. Yep, nice. that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. 3D information. I don't know. Yeah, I need to learn a little bit more about that. We we talked about it briefly on we, one of the. I podcasts. know we talked a little bit about like digital cloning once, like as yes. like for manufacturers or warehouse folks or whatever that maybe want to be able to kind of get a feel for what's happening in their right. their facilities if they're working from afar mm-hmm. and they have multiple locations. You can mm-hmm. kind of do a digital walkthrough mm-hmm. of somewhere by having a, a 3D model that's built out for that you mm-hmm. can kind of go through and check out what the line looks like. You know, spot maybe inefficiencies. So yeah. I some very yep. good practical yep. uses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Todd, what's tech connecting with you right now? Well, something that I've always been interested in is kind of science and space exploration. And so uh, I don't know if you've been following that Ingenuity copter that's up on oh, Mars yeah. right now. Absolutely. Yeah. A little chopper a couple days ago, yeah. Yeah, I guess it had a little issues, but it, 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 I guess it completed its sixth mission of flying for yep. what it had to do. And it's just fascinating to know that we can actually control something autonomously from 
you know, 200 million miles away and, and it works, right? We're getting beautiful pictures back of the planet and it's just just incredible that it all works. Yeah. Oh, I missed the yeah. story. Did it have a little hiccup or something? They, they had some like ran into some yeah, turbulence. Yeah, kind of. It kind of had a little hiccup with its flight for a moment and kind of looked a little dodgy for a minute. But they got they got it smoothed out and got it landed again. One of those. <gasps> yeah. Kind of oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah. I'm sure there was like this. There was probably like a good like you know couple minutes where they're all sitting there mission control like you know white knuckles seats. on the yeah, consoles exactly. like oh no. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. know I, I and I th I have a feeling it will happen, but I I really want to see you know. I, I really want to see humans on on Mars, right? In my lifetime, I yeah. think oh. I, I think that'll happen. It feels like we're getting pretty close to that. That at some point in the next couple of decades, we should be able to land on Mars, put and, somebody up there. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, like I don't know that we're going to be you know full on colonizing anytime soon, but yeah, I you know I, I want us to, to see us do that. I think that'll be a, a cool new frontier. Maybe pe get people as, as as excited as we were back. You're in not the you're not volunteering for a one way mission, are you? <laughs> no, I am not. I, I, is that, yeah. is that is that a volunteer? I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to go to space and do this kind of stuff. My wife would kill me. Just even the, she's she's already said our son is not allowed to even think about being an astronaut. She cannot handle that. Like, <laughs> I think it'd be awesome, oh, well. but I don't know that I'm the first one to do. It. Maybe I'll let a few other people go, and okay. you know, once it's, yeah, 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 we've yeah. determined it's quick and safe and easy, I'll, I'll try it out too. <laughs> Not the moon first. Try thing. You go, well. give me an RFID gun and some tags, and you can you know scan and uh, apply tags to you know, equipment and everything else. There you yeah, go. Put the CDO logo on them. Yeah, okay. we'll do that. Yeah, those are some yeah, high value perfect. assets up there. That's all I got yeah. to say. I yeah. would yeah. hope they're tagging and tracking that stuff. Yeah, no doubt. We lost second with you right now. All right, so Baidu rolls out paid driverless taxi service in Beijing. So my okay. question to you, sir, is would you take a driverless taxi? I mean, we've talked a lot about autonomous cars on yeah. this on this show, right? And it's one of those techs that, that are teching with us, guys, uh, you know, about this whole, you know, driverless, you right, know, full right. automation of a driverless vehicle. But it happened. So this headlines from May, May 2 of this year, Chinese tech giant Baidu uh, rolls out paid driverless taxi, taxi service in Beijing. Now, it's only a square mile. So, you know, this it's not like this thing's taking you from downtown out it's to the suburbs high speeds or, anything. Or, or anything like that. But there is no driver. So you get into an empty car, I guess, and you've plugged in where you need to go within that mile, and it goes. Would you do it? Are you in? I think in that, in the, in that small area and probably not at a high velocity, yes. I think I could handle that. Okay. So we're only going like 20 miles an it, hour. Right. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm, as much as I want, you know, automated cars to be a thing, I'm not ready to jump in one that's going to be speeding down the expressway with all the semis and the idiots that don't right. drive. Yeah, because there's okay. too much variables of other people that I don't like. So there. you're still not there, Mark Todd. Are you guys getting in a driverless taxi? If you if you hopped in and there's no driver there, are you still going? Or are you bailing? Mark, I'll let you go first. Can there can there be someone that looks like a driver behind the <laughs> wheel, just like a dummy? Right. As long as it doesn't look like a crash test dummy, that's fine. A, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If they if it has something like that, I'll do it. That's right, just right. the invisible man. Not you nothing. still need a driver. How about you, Todd? Do you need a driver? I don't know. You know, I, no, I, I guess I, I figure it's going to work at some point. I guess one of my concerns right now is just the other, the, just today about more hacking going on, right? They hacked into some right. meat production plants, yeah. right? Yeah, they hack into those guys in the, the Colonial Pipeline. Can they hack into the car system? So how safe is that going to be? Because that'll tie up a whole lot of traffic very quickly. Oh, yep. man. Well, we've already heard about people hacking into cars because they're, they're, they're computers now on wheels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've it's already heard people kidnap. can hack into them. Yeah. Someone. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so... 
you get a high value target in there, reroute them to somewhere else, <laughs> so, lock the doors. So the taxi that you scheduled to go to the theater, you know, a couple blocks, uh, suddenly you're for ransom. It's and taking it's you to taking a, a warehouse, warehouse on the edge of town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can There's put some no RFID in there. <laughs> the new ransom demand form. That's exactly right. That'll be the next thing. Yep. I can, I can see it now. That'll There's be the, the next headline. And oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, not but good. Here's the good thing, though. All of us, I'm going to assume, are not those kind of high value targets. Like, right. I'm um, not going to be getting into one of those taxis and they're going to be going, yeah, let's kidnap oh, they that John? guy. No, oh, like, yeah. never mind. Right. He can, let's yeah. just let him go. He's fine. <laughs> What's tech connecting with you, John? All right. Here's, here's a great headline for you, uh, because especially because we've been talking a little bit about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Oh, yes. And whatnot. Yes. We had yes, our yes, episode yes. last week that we talked about um, yeah. you know, how absurd the cryptocurrency thing is. Right. British cops thought they were raiding a weed farm, but found Bitcoin instead. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is give me the fantastic. Little, give me the second subhead under so, that one. So law enforcement in West Midlands put out a statement about the case late Thursday explaining how, as at least from the outside, the mining operation showed all the classic <laughs> signs of a canna farm. Lots of people were visiting the unit at different times of day, the officers wrote, before adding that the warehouse had lots of wiring and ventilation ducts visible from the outside. <laughs> when they flew a police drone over the building, they also found a considerable amount of heat being given off by whatever was happening inside so they busted down the door of this place and all they thinking found it was, was a weed farm thinking it was a weed farm in fact no one was actually there at the time either and, okay. they, and all they found was just the banks of data computers you know the data setup or whatever just a bunch you know. of computers bunch trying of hard to mine drives for cryptocurrency. mining for cryptocurrency oh good god and apparently this was the second time this has happened to this same police department that they I'll have encountered darn. one of these <laughs> Uh, so, so they busted the place. Now, now here's the thing, like, you know, obviously like I think in, in, in UK can of farming is, is illegal, but you know, at least not, you know, with any kind of, you know, guidance or whatever right. or purpose, but Bitcoin mining isn't. However, where the problem did lie is they were stealing electricity from nearby buildings. <laughs> of and course homes. they were because it's such an energy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's the other part of it. We, I, we didn't really talk about this when we were talking about, you know, cryptocurrency last week is there's an enormous environmental impact. Oh yeah. That's why Elon gave up stuff. on it. Yeah. Yeah. They were in now yeah. they're out because, exactly. because of all the energy it takes to but mine. That's insane this stuff. that they like part of the reason why they thought this might have been a weed farm was because <laughs> because of the heat the signature of the building. Of yeah, I exactly. love it. The heat signature, the technology, the <laughs> ventilation that was going there. It's got to be a weed farm. <laughs> no, oh, man. they're just mining crypto Bitcoin. I, I, you know, I kind of you, you gotta you gotta think they're probably very disappointed. I'm sure they are like, yeah, we're gonna go in here. We're gonna be on the news. We're gonna, you know, they right? love to set up their blocks of drugs on the news. Yes, you know, look at what we did. Yes. No, they have nothing to show for that. No, really, you nothing. Know? Like, yeah, all those months of activity. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well. So yeah, uh, I just I, a hilarious story. I love That's it. A good and, one. and I love that it actually was not the first time that it happened to them. So fair enough. Fair enough. For <laughs> well, Todd Muckerhide, Mark Wyatt, thank you both so much for being on the show. We appreciate having you today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank yeah, you great much. being here. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, great conversation again. If anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to us. But unfortunately, it is time for us to unplug. So for Dean Reverman, I'm John Martin. Until next time, stay connected. Trying to help your customers open or reopen safely with social distancing and infection control protocols? Elo offers touchscreen solutions to help with employee access, guest check-in, self-service, and much more. Their modular platforms increase safety, eliminate paper-based processes, and reduce the cost of visitor management. Elo also provides thorough cleaning and disinfecting guidelines. To learn more, visit Elo's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Elo representative. Interested in selling RFID solutions but aren't sure where to start? Zebra has you covered with a full portfolio of RFID hardware and support services. 
With growing applications in TNL, manufacturing, healthcare, retail, and more, RFID improves supply chains, streamlines inventory management, and improves online order fulfillment. To learn more about Zebra's line of RFID readers and printers, visit the link in the show notes or contact the Zebra team at Blue Star. Thank you.